0: Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another fantastic edition of the 2017 Spring Split Rough Drafts Guess the Line podcast, EU LCS uh, Week 9 at this point. And folks, let's not forget, this is not the last week of the European LCS <laughs> like it is in North America, because scheduling makes no sense. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Walter C80 Spedchuk, and joining me... As always, my own uh, my own scheduled debaser because he lives in Seattle, <laughs> Chase Redshirt King Lawsoner. Chase, how does it feel being three hours behind the rest of the nation?
1: I mean, I, honestly, I, I, I do what I can. You know, I, I try to keep up. It's always great because I get to wake up and like half of the news cycle has already happened. So it's a lot of, uh, I guess, catch up in the morning. Uh, that's how I found out about the Fnatic uh, coaching move that they've now made, and we'll get into that later. So it's it's always fun to kind of get these things on the uptick. I'm just going to say, uh, basically, you know, you mentioned scheduling. I think it's absolutely nuts that Riot chose not to flex some of these Week 8 matches that we had because Week 8 was really fun. We saw some really interesting series. We learned a lot more, I think, about Unicorns of Love, H2K, uh, Fnatic misfits, you know, there's a lot to digest, and that should have been week 10, because now we have two weeks where, you know, week this week, I don't think there's a single series that's really all that close, and I think that's a, kind of a concern if you're going to stretch the, se- the season to 10 weeks. You really want to have quality matches throughout rather than all concentrated two weeks before the season actually ends, so, you know, weird <laughs> scheduling things, but... It, at least now we get some fun games to talk about this time around.
0: Well, uh, to be fair, you know I don't think the EU LCS expected half of their league to be a dumpster fire, because <laughs> half of their league is is a dumpster fire, and I, I guess we're gonna get into uh, our up for the week, and, and one of those teams is is slowly sort of climbed their way to the top of that heaping pile of garbage, and uh, has brushed themselves off, has looked outside the dumpster, and gone. Holy crap, there's sunlight out here. Oh, man. Oh, oh my God. It's, it's, it's not all all stinky, fiery misery. So, Chase, go ahead. Take a few minutes to gush about Rockat. Go ahead. I know it's coming.
1: Look, two weeks ago, I was on this podcast... And I begged Roccat, give me some sign, any sign, that this plan is going somewhere. That improvements are happening. That players are getting better. That they're getting smarter. That we're drafting better. That we've shown that we've learned anything from the terrible split that we had for the first six weeks of the season. Since then, Rocket's 4-0. And obviously, a lot of that has to do with the quality of opponent. They've beat up on... All of the teams that, as you said, it's kind of a dumpster fire in the bottom half of the uh, of the standings. But you know what? In, in, in a in a world of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. And right now, that's where we are with Rockat. I really, genuinely believe that I've got to go find some nice gift to give their their new psychologist, like some chocolates or some flowers. I don't know what, but I I feel like I have to do something because the it's night and day, not just in terms of you know, how they're playing as, uh, you know, individuals. You know, Faxi in particular looks so much more confident right now than he did at any point in the first six weeks. But also just their communication and synergy, you know? It's... They're roaming now in a way that they were... We didn't see any terrible tower dives over the last two weeks. We've been seeing pretty consistent play. Um, we're seeing... You know, Maxler is continuing to to be a catalyst for success. They've got 50.8 percent jungle control right now. Who would have said that about Rocket? How did we get to this point? You know, Faxy went from a 2.0 KDA average on the season. He went 14-10 and 28 this week. That's a huge leap forward. I, you know, I, it's not perfect. They're not going to be uh, an amazing team. They're not going to make the playoffs. They've got to play two. Teams that are clearly better than them at this point, and they, you know, they lost enough in the first half of the season where it's kinda too little too late. But all I wanted was for them to show that they were improving, that they could stick around, and they're doing just that. And to me, that's gotta be enough at some point. At some point you have to say, Well, we're avoiding relegations, almost certainly at this point. We've made clear steps forward. And for people that, you know, wonder why you know, the psychologist angle is being pushed as hard as it is. As a former head coach, I can tell you that the most important work that I ever did for my team was much more like a therapeutic effort than it was about any game knowledge that I added. You know, players are in the LCS for a reason. They were good enough to get there. They've played well enough as individuals and in team units previously most of the time to justify their LCS spot. What you need is a person who can bring the team together, who can get them to communicate, who can get players who have too big of egos to kind of step back and listen to the criticism being given, that players that would take that criticism personally and see it as, I'm being attacked, or they don't like me, or I'm not good enough, and turn that into... You know, it's not that you're not good enough, you can just be better, and I believe in you for that. You know, shifting that mentality is massive, and it's crucial for any team that wants to be successful. And there is a reason that every bad team that we point to, you hear the exact opposite from those stories. You get players that hate each other, or don't communicate, or the coach isn't doing a good job of managing these personalities. So... You know what? I had a lot of negative things to say about Rocket for most of this season, but they are doing everything right right now. They're probably going to go 0-2 over the next two weeks, and I don't care. They're going to be in the LCS. They're going to be in a better spot next split. Maybe, since Rocket showed they're willing to invest anything into this team by getting the psychologist and bringing them on board. Maybe that means they'll invest in some new players in the midseason split, and Rockat could actually make a run at a playoff spot. I would love to see it. I think it's in play. At the very least, I have hope. I have hope again, Walter. I have hope again.
0: You need to get your head out of the clouds there, mate. Listen, I'm not the biggest fan of of sports psychologists, but there is is always a, a, a honeymoon period where... Any kind of big change you make to uh, a team effort or whatnot is, is going to have some positive results. So it's good to see that Rocket um, is on the up-and-up. They've they played pretty, pretty damn well, actually, the last couple of weeks. And I think it's really been the bot lane that has absolutely uh, pivoted the team's direction. Uh, I think Wadden and Garnet have been really exceptional, uh, have really dominated some weaker opposition, and even dominated Steelback. Which was, if you were telling me that in 2017, Steelback would be losing the lane to Harnett, I would laugh in your face. Uh, but as for that sports psychologist, Chase, I have a gift recommendation for you. Mm. The Rocket Alumic Double-Sided Mouse Pad. Ooh. According to their scientist at Rocket, Dr. Eric J. Dale, simply turning it around opens up unexpected new perspectives. So I would suggest getting him a mouse
1: pad. I, I don't know, man. There's kind of a thing about mouse pads being given out in esports. That's the
0: point. I <laughs> a big, big joke that I don't think sports psychologists are actually worth it. Moving uh, on.
1: Yeah. Was everybody okay. up?
0: There is a down. I think there's really only one team that kind of failed to live up to expectations this week. But I'll see if I agree with you.
1: So, who did you think kind of missed the mark this week? So. We've talked about the fanatic system in the past. This is a team we have given the benefit of the doubt time and time again. Because they're such a classic team, right? They're, they're the old guard, season one world champions. Look at the ex era. Look at the, the, you know, Huni and Rainover era. Look at how good this team has been time and time again. And for the second time in as many splits, they've now, they're now going to lose their coach midseason. That is embarrassing. That is an embarrassing place to be if you are supposed to be this old guard. We are the picture of stability within the European esports scene. This is embarrassing. And it's embarrassing in a way that I don't see any upside on. Like, what is the benefit of getting rid of Nico the Pico right now? You could say, oh, well, he's a a bad coach. And you know what? I agree with you. This team is clearly not working out. The personality traits seem to be coming head-to-head. Reckless looks absolutely miserable. Caps is, you know feeling less and less confident every day, certainly he's playing like a less confident player every day because he keeps being put in these terrible spots, their drafts are really bad. I understand every single one of those arguments. And guess what? Making your team manager the head coach doesn't fix that. What does a manager know about pick and ban? Why is, why is there any reason to believe that anyone who is working alongside Nico the Pico is suddenly going to have this air uh, and, uh, of quality and understanding and, and bring in this new look that's going to change things around. There's no upside here. All you're doing is changing this factor that, I mean, who, who knows? Maybe it was really getting this bad. Maybe there were a whole bunch of fights behind the scenes and it was an untenable situation. But what I'm seeing right now is we have a manager, not a coach, not an analyst, a manager, who is now being forced to step in with two weeks left in the season and is basically tasked, hey, fix everything right before the playoffs. It's an impossible task. There's no way that he's going to have, you know, I don't even know if he's capable of creating a new system because I'm not sure how much this manager actually knows about the game itself. But even if he could... Like, how are you going to do it in a couple weeks? What are you going to be able to change when the only examples you have of how to run, pick, and ban were all really bad? And this isn't a situation like we had last time where at least people looked at Nico the Pico and said, well, he's been working under Daylor. He gets it. Daylor created a system. Now we just have someone who can replicate that effect. Now, if anything, we're replicating Nico the Pico. That's a much worse place to be. it It makes no sense... It's a perfect sign of a team that is panicking and looking to do just about anything to either give them a good PR spin or we need change because change is something that we're nominally going to say is good without considering what we're changing to. And if I'm fanatic, I'm just looking at all of this and saying, how did we get here? How how did we get to the point where we pushed away one of the best coaches that the EU LCS has ever seen with the way that supposedly Fabiven was handling things behind the scenes and some other personalities that really didn't seem to get along with the plan. How did we look at that and say, you know what? Let's get another mid laner with an ego. Let's keep this analyst who hasn't really shown any strong coaching tendencies. And now let's just throw a manager in there because why not? I hey, it worked! It worked! It worked incredibly well for Origin. Let's not come
0: on. It worked <laughs> so well for Origin when they did it. Listen, oh like, boy! <laughs> I, uh, I I actually was was gonna go with Misfits, but in all in all reality, it's true. I think the Fnatic system has been dead, and we've been overvaluing it since uh, since the loss of Taylor. Yeah. In all honesty, I think the organization as a whole, across the board, going into their Counter Strike team going into overwatch just across the board has made some very questionable decisions uh over the past probably year six months year and a half yeah and uh it's it's really starting to show that this is uh this is going into a dark place this organization is going into a dark place it's not going to have the kind of relevancy and especially in a in a region like europe where the new teams, when they show up, when they enter the scene, we've seen with Splice, we've seen with uh, G2, we now are seeing with Misfits. We saw with you know Origin for a, a couple splits. Um, Legacy orcs don't really matter anymore in Europe. And Europe, Fnatic, it took bringing in you know a Korean a set of Koreans in Huni and Hooney uh, and and Rainover to really maintain their relevancy. But ever since then, ever since the loss of Peke and Soaz the first time this team has just slowly begun to lose its its reputation in europe and its relevancy and i i think that next split is going to be you know one of those final death knells it's not going to kill it i don't think they're you know going to get relegated i'm not going to say that without seeing the rosters for next split but after after spring I don't look at this organization with any pride anymore. I don't think they're the San Antonio Spurs of the LCS anymore. It's, it's not there. They're probably more like the Knicks. What, what they are? The they're,
1: they're, they're SK Gaming. Do you remember yeah. what SK Gaming was? This old guard org that did, we had a ton of respect for, uh, and I then they made it to Worlds. Yeah. They had a, a an underwhelming playoff split, and then were suddenly out of the league. Like, we've seen this arc before, and Fnatic, you have one shot this offseason to change that course. And if you make the decisions the way you've been making them for the past year and a half, as you said across a lot of their titles, um, well, you know, SK could use some friends, I suppose. Good good on you guys, good luck. Well...
0: You know, we could use some friends over in Europe. We went Hmm. one and one in our smart money picks last week. Uh, We missed on Orianne winning any game against Vitality and making it go to three maps. Uh, But we did hit on Fnatic versus Rocket going to three maps, and that was plus 130, uh, which means that we gained money last week. That puts us at minus 215 in Europe, which I know it's like... All right, guys. Like you're supposed to be esports gambling experts, but we're still in the black overall between uh, both regions. Yes. So that brings us to the very first match. Oh, and uh, Chase and I are tied. Yes. In, our, in our challenge, we're at eight and eight, and I crushed him last week. It was it was a dominating victory. It was not great. One <laughs> of the most dominating victories in uh in presidential election history it was fantastic <laughs> it was it was just incredible incredible great groundwork great yes. great grassroots effort on my part and my gambling predictions and now we come into this week we've got three more guesses for the regular season week nine in europe week nine in na and week 10 in europe yes. because once again the world doesn't make sense So, Chase, we're going to start off week nine in Europe, the penultimate week in Europe, with Vitality versus Splice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both teams are in different, you know, kind of in the same spot that they've been all season. Vitality has been kind of slumping, hasn't been performing very well. Uh, They did get the victory last week over Orion, which is helpful, um, but... You know, they haven't been doing anything great, and Splice has sort of been the opposite of, like, they do pretty well, they're beating all the bad teams, they're being plucky against the upper echelon. Um, is there any cause for concern here for Splice? Do, do we think at all Vitality might take a game off of them, might take the series? I...
1: I mean, honestly, I'm feeling the exact opposite of concern for Splice. I'm excited about this team right now, because the meta is finally in their favor. Look, no team gives more of their gold to their top lane than Splice, which, when you're playing in a tank meta, is really not that ideal because there's not—it's very hard for a tank to hard carry a game. You can initiate fights really well, but you you need—you know—in the meta we were in before, you needed your jungler and your mid laner to make big plays. And Trashy's terrible at carry junglers, and Senkux was struggling on those on those previous picks. Now. The top lane carries are in play. Wonders Fizz was amazing. That was so much fun to watch. I mean, in game one in particular, just the the way in which he just knew, like, okay, I've got enough damage. I can just E in, get the kill, get out. No problem whatsoever. Uh, He's got such a good command on that champion. He's got such a good command on so many different carry top lane champions. This is playing perfectly into what he wants to do. And meanwhile, we're starting to see more tanky, utility junglers like Gragas and Rek'Sai come back into the meta. Guess what? Trashy loves Gragas! It's like his favorite thing to play! He's rather good at it, in fact. So Trashy went from being this liability in a lot of ways to now being a very crucial part of this one-three-one split-push style that Splice has been waiting for ever since the Riot forced standard lanes before Worlds last year. This is where Splice wants to be! They want to have the ability for... Uh, for Cobby and Mickey to be carry guys, let Cobby, who is right now one of the biggest playmakers in the support position uh, behind Ignar, let him be that guy in the bot lane. Let your your you know solo lanes relieve some pressure in that end. It's just playing to their favor, and now whether that's going to be enough against a really good team, we have yet to see. Beating Origin doesn't do enough for me. That's not enough of a sample size, and beating Vitality isn't necessarily going to do that for me either. Uh, Let's face it, beating up Origin is good for morale for Vitality, but I don't think Nukeduck's going to look as good here as he did last week. I think that's not what they do. Um, yeah. They they have a, a terrible amount of objective control. Their dragon percentage right now, twenty two percent. It's almost tw- uh, half of what the next lowest total is on, in the LC in the EU LCS, I should say, right now. So there are a lot of problems with vitality that I think Splice is going to be able to exploit. They're going to have to prove that they can do it against H uh, two K and the unicorns of love, and that has yet to be seen. But they have a much better chance now than they did in the previous meta. Seven point five is everything coming together and moving in splice's direction. Well, it gets
0: better cause on seven point six apparently there's gnar buffs. Wait, we're buffing nar? I haven't actually seen Trust me, that era. was that was Chakras's, uh reaction too of why are we buffing nar What? Why are we buffing <laughs> Gnar? And if there's a champion that Wonder likes to play. It's NAR. It's Gnar. Well, Gnar.
1: I mean, to be honest, that probably is a nerf then because it means that Gnar is just going to be permabanned. But, I mean...
0: Maybe, I mean... Okay. I Let's, oh,
1: look, awesome. G- good, f- good for Splice that they're finally in a meta in which they're comfortable. I still have concerns that they are so meta-dependent, but, I mean, I'm assuming the playoffs are going to be locked into either 7.6 or 7.7, and in the direction the game is going, they're going to be in a pretty good spot. And I, I like them to make an improvement moving forward. Uh, this game, I don't think is gonna be particularly close. I have splice minus six hundred.
0: I have spliced minus five fifty. The actual line is splice minus six sixty six. Yeah. Vitality is at plus four hundred. And this is gonna be given a trend for the week, folks, of uh, there are no uh, really good lines. Chase and I already discussed this, so we're going to look at potentially going to either being 2-0s or 3 maps. 2-0, yeah. no value here in this game, but to go to 3 maps, it is plus 155. Um, I don't think that's very likely. Splice is coming off of a very dominating performance against Origin, uh, a pretty plucky performance against G2, and Vitality lost to Rockat.
1: Yeah. so <laughs> let's,
0: let's, let's not forget that. Moving on, uh, G2 versus Giants, anything we want to say about either of these teams other than apologizing to Lozark and the rest of Giants for the beating they're about to receive?
1: Um, I just want to point out a couple quick numbers that I thought were particularly impressive. Uh, Assuming that G2 wins this series, they will have gone 400 days uh, between uh, the last time they lost a... uh, It will have been 400 days since the last time they lost the series, which is absolutely nuts, and... You know, Obviously, the fact that the best of twos happened made that streak a lot easier to hold, but still, this is a team that has been atop the LCS standings for a very, very long time, uh, to the point where I think you can make a very good case that it's a, a testament to the stagnation of the EU scene as a whole. Uh, there were definitely some positive things that I saw this week. Uh, Sven averaged a 99 cs uh average 90, 99 cs at 10 minutes that's bonkers i i don't really have anything to say other than that's nuts and in a, in and i i don't really Could, know how we got to that considering, point considering
0: like cs at 10 minutes is like 106 i think
1: yeah it's it's kind of a uh, it's kind of a a problem um that uh, well uh, it's uh, wait what did you you thought it was 106. Perfect CS. Perfect CS is 106. Yeah, it's absurd. It's absolutely bonkers. Uh, meanwhile, you look at jungle control. Walter, just without looking, how much jungle control do you think G2 has? They do have the two-time MVP in their jungle, so what do you think would be a good number, 58%. right? 58%. Okay, 58 would be literally record-breaking. This is 56.8%, uh, okay. which is still absolutely bonkers. I think the next closest team is somewhere like 52%. Like, this is absolutely insane. They're, th- these t- games are not necessarily even as close as they would indicate and never really felt like Misfits were going to win the series, even when they were able to take that game too, just because mm-hmm. they were so reliant on a snowball. And G2 has, have shown they can snowball games, sure, but they can also just hold out the early game and then just beat you by starving you of resources and forcing you to take disadvantageous fights. And that's exactly what having a guy like Trick allows you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very high on on G2. I I think that Giants is a disaster area. Uh Flakshish is making a very good case for worst EU top laner. 1.7 KDA, -8.5 CS differential at 10 <laughs> minutes and a whole 319 damage per minute. Way to go, dude. Uh <laughs> that's uh, I I don't I don't know what to say other than this has been uh, a a split from hell for Giants and G2 is just going to keep on reaping the rewards of uh, an EU scene that hasn't found a way to deal with their strategies yet.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I
1: have nothing to say. Where do you think the line is? I <laughs> have G2 minus 2,000.
0: I also had G2 minus 2,000. Uh, shockingly, it is G2 minus 1,250. Um, uh, that puts Giants at plus 600.
1: W- wait. Um, so, just to be clear, uh, last week splice was minus 1250 favorites over origin and i think g2 has a higher chance of winning this series i i, I, I that line seems low to me the the theory is
0: that g2 is as, as as good as the there's the same gap between g2 and giants as there was between splice and origin which i disagree with
1: like that i think that giants team is really terrible that's that's that is a terrible. Terrible team. Um, that's
0: fair. There's no value in a 2-0, and three maps is at plus 195. No. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. We're just going to keep on trucking along, because we're going to have a lot of no's on this podcast, <laughs> folks, unfortunately. Rocket versus Misfits. Yep. Misfits was, until the Nico the Pico news, Misfits was kind of my down for the week, just because they looked so inept against G2. Um, they just, They just... They couldn't exert their type of gameplay, and I just think this is the story of G2, is that G2 just knows how to play against every European team and that's that it just is what it is. Um but it's kinda disappointing that Misfits they put up a fight, but it wasn't it wasn't as much of a fight as I wanted. I didn't think game three was as close as uh as it should have been, so yeah. Chase, you're the Rocket fan.
1: You kinda need this victory. How that's- does Rocket beat Misfits? I mean, the first thing you have to do is you have to weather the early game storm. And that is the most important thing to do against Misfits. It is also the toughest thing to do against Misfits. Misfits right now has the highest uh, early game rating of any team in Europe. And it's not particularly close at this point. The onslaught is just... Really tough to deal with. Kakao has been playing out of his mind. Say what you will about the way the series went, uh, and game three in particular. But that kick he had was one of the greatest plays I've seen in a while. Um, just he he's one of the best Lee Sin players in Europe, if not the best Lee Sin player in Europe. Uh his graves is great. He's he's gonna be able to hold his own very well. Uh, and and I think that helps. I think the Alfari as a in a carry top meta in which he can get CS leads for himself. I think that helps. I think that Hansama now being able to go on more carry uh, AD carries should be a positive in the long run, run for Lucian, them. His Lucian is gonna just—it's so good. It's a really good champion for him. Ooh, oh I'm, boy! I mean, I was less impressed by the the Callista necessarily, but you know, I thought that that side of things was great, and I think that's where the meta's moving. So I think the first thing you have to do is just survive that. Survive that. Don't let Power of Evil roam on you because that's what Power of Evil is going to want to do when he's playing in the right place. Um, the second thing I would say is, is exactly, you know, is directly related to that, which is you can mess with Misfits and pick and ban. Misfits mm-hmm. has a clear style of play. They want yeah. to roam with power of evil. So cut off some of these assassins that he would want to play. Like use your bands in, on that end and, and limit the, the ability for mm-hmm. him to, to See, really come down on him. You know, you can put Alfari in a position where it's harder for him to have the carry tops that he wants. You can put Han Sama in a disadvantageous bot lane. This can be done. It done it's not easy. But you can absolutely do it if your champion pools are deep enough. The problem I have for Rocket is I don't think their champion pools are particularly deep enough to do that. But I, the fact that G2 forced uh, Power of Evil onto uh, you know these Orianna and Victor picks, which he was fine with. He wasn't bad on those champions, but it wasn't the way that Misfits likes to play the early game. I, I think that helps. Uh, the the big thing is that when the mid to late game team fights start, this is where we start seeing problems with Misfits. Their positioning is not always ideal in that regard. They don't necessarily do a great job setting up fights because so much of their vision game is based on them being able to move so freely around the map. So theoretically, these are the places where I could see someone trying to attack them. Uh, unfortunately, I don't see how Rocket survived the early game, let alone... Do any pick and ban shenanigans, or, or, or get their way into forcing some advantageous some ed- fights?
0: You're you're looking at the wrong players. That's the problem that you're having as a Rocket fan. You're looking at the solo lanes, which you're not going to ban them out. I think it's absolutely foolish to attempt to go after Power of Evil or Elpharay's champion pool. You need to go after Ignar and you need to go after Kakao's champion pool.
1: especially uh,
0: I don't agree with that at all. Especially with a transition to some some, some tankier style uh, junglers, like you can't let Ignar have Malzahar. You can't let him have Zyra. He's just allowed to you know, there's too much playmaking potential. Sure, much but his Tom Pench is
1: really good too. Like you're it's not gonna good, be able to I'd... spend that many bands on Ignar. And even when you do, okay, well he's gonna play his thresh and his thresh was pretty good. Or he's gonna play Lulu and his Lulu is pretty good. Like what's your plan there if you're trying to attack their bot lane? The, the thing
0: is the thing isn't attacking the bot lane, the thing is trying to limit their playmakers, and in all honesty, yes, power of evil on assassins will roam and he'll get kills. But the playmakers over the past three or four weeks are not Power of Evil and Alfari. They are Kakao and they are Ignar. They are Ignar flashing in and hitting Amal's ultimate. They are him flashing in and hitting Zyra roots. I get you can't ban out entire people's champion pools. And yes, Ignar can play Tom Kench. He can play Thresh, He can bring out something weird like Tarek or play Lulu or go to Nami or any of these things. But it's about minimizing the ability for them to make plays. Ignar probably isn't the better option to go after, so I'm going to say Kakao. Get him off the Lee Sin. Get him off the Rengar. Get him onto something like, you know, get him off Graves. Get him onto something like a Gragas or a Rek'Sai. Put him on Kha'Zix, even, because Kha'Zix, out of those four champions, is the more risky champion to play because it's squishier. he doesn't have... The upfront burst that a Graves has, where he comes in, boom, blows you up, and you're at a quarter health and you have to run away. He's a little bit more nuanced type of champion. And Kakao, when you look at the early season when Misfits was playing okay, but they weren't like, you know, beating Unicorns of Love type play. It was because Kakao was having issues. Kakao wasn't playing very well. And then about week three, when he started playing Lee Sin a little bit more and started making all these plays and really getting into uh, into his lanes and going after the enemy jungle in their jungle, that was when Misfit started to have this run where all of a sudden they were playing very well and they were on our up list, it seemed like, every single week. Yeah. Power of Evil is a solid Sintra and a solid Oriana player, and he can still have that roaming presence that he does on any assassins. Sure. I don't think banning out LeBlanc and Ari is going to do anything. I, he's going to build a Morellonomicon anyways, which is going directly against what Betsy is good at, which is scaling, health, stacking, regenerating mid-laners like Swain and Vladimir. Like, I just think you're looking in the wrong place to get an edge. Ignar gets caught out. So if you get him on something that isn't as capable of making plays that he's still going to try and force them, Like he gets caught out on, on Tom Kench, and you can kill a Tom Kench. If Tom catches by himself, there isn't a whole ton he can do. But Rocket's plan has got to be very, very solid warning so they can catch out the jungler and the support when they do come in to ward or to make plays and to try and limit their playmaking potential. I just think going after Power of Evil and Alfari is kind of silly.
1: Well, I I think that, just to clarify... I don't think you're going to be able to ban the champion pools of anybody. Even if you go after Kakao, guess what? His Rek'Sai is really good. His Elise is really good. His Graves is really good and you're not spending a ban on Graves. So I don't don't think that you can ban out any of these players. I, I think that's just not going to work out very well for you. But what I do think is that so much of their early game potential comes in their ability to open up the map. And when you give... Uh, when you give Power of Evil these roaming Assassin-style champions, it becomes so much easier for him to do it. It becomes, you know, it becomes so much more advantageous for him to make these roams, to do these dives under the bot tower, which is what they love to do. And they're absolutely going to try to pick on Hjarnin and Wadid here, and they're going to have him roam down to that bot lane. And what's going to be the deciding factor here is, how quickly can he get there? How efficiently can they take that guy out? And can Rocket make a play on the other side of the map? I think that's a lot easier to do when you're playing against a Victor than it is against Anari, or a Talon, or any of those other super I just don't think guys.
0: Misfits are going to pick Victor anymore. I,
1: well, <laughs> a, well, this, and look honestly, the problem is that whatever Misfits does, Rocket doesn't have the tools to deal with it. I think that the key, if you're if you're trying to beat Misfits. It's not force them onto champions that they're not as comfortable on. It's attack the play style. Force Misfits to play things that need time to scale because they haven't shown they can do that very well. Don't let them have these early game heavy characters. That's what they do well. I, I think that that's the, those are the points that I would attack you can argue over which individual players are the best way to do that. I personally think that Kakao has more than enough answers, and I think that the bot lane is going to be do what the bot lane always does, regardless of who Ignar plays. I think that it's limiting the roaming potential of that mid lane either by really, you know, settling Kakao on something that needs to scale up, and like I said, good luck with that, or you need to limit the champions of Power of Evil are, so at least there's an opportunity cost. If he wants to roam down to the bot lane on a Victor or a Cinder or whatever else it is, Rockat can attack a mid-lane tower and open up the map more for them so that they can get their vision down and they can keep the game going long enough to hopefully either outscale or take advantage of some of the mis- uh, the mispositioning in team fights or overextensions when they try to make mid-to-late game plays that have, that have hit misfits. Again, I don't think this is going to happen. I think Misfits is a superior team in just about every way. Uh, and I had them as minus 450 favorites. Well,
0: you're a dick because I had them at minus 400 and it's minus 434. Rock at it plus 290. So you get another point because your mass was slightly closer than my mass. Um, again, I agree. I don't necessarily think Rockat are going to win this series. Uh, which makes the last game that we're going to talk about that much more important for Rockat's potential playoff chances. But we're getting ahead of ourselves because I don't want to talk about either of our next matches. That's fair. Unicorns of Love versus Orion. Um, Unicorns of Love looked really good last week. Yeah. They really kind of took, took it to HDK,
1: Starting to uh, embrace the rainbow again a little bit more. I do think yeah. there's a rock, paper, scissors nature to the two through four seeds right now. Uh, Misfits clearly uh, forced Unicorns of Love into a lot of disadvantageous situations, whereas Unicorns of Love have showed that they can handle H2K's early game and and force them into making fights that really didn't go well for H2K. Uh, Game 1 was as efficient a game as you could hope for, and Game 2... Unicorns of Love playing well behind is not something that we necessarily have a lot of experience seeing this split. So it was very nice to see them do it and do it against a great team. And and if you're wondering how they're able to do this and why they were able to neutralize such a great early game from the, uh, from H2K, it's because the one thing that most teams that H2K has that, that they like to exploit don't have a 50.9% lane efficiency rate. That is the uh, amount of, of creeps that they are able to grab um, compared to uh, their opponents, uh, what the advantage that they're, they're going to get in that regard. Um, they, they wave clear really well, all the time, regardless yeah, of their champion absolutely. pool. They are the best wave management team, which means they will always be able to split push. And H2K didn't necessarily like split pushing. Uh, you know what Origin doesn't like? Any strategy whatsoever. And so I think that this is going to be a, a blowout. I have it at Unicorns of Love minus 1,500.
0: Uh yep, with that you're gonna you're gonna take the leak from me here because yeah. I, I said unicorns love minus a thousand because I thought it'd be silly for it to be any higher line than G2. Uh but it's unicorns of love minus twenty five hundred. There we go. So um That's
1: origin plus what?
0: <laughs> uh plus
1: eight fifty. Okay. Nope. No, no thank
0: you. Nope. Not going to happen. Oh, oh, we missed out. Uh, three maps for Misfits versus Rocket. Is it plus 130? I was about to ask you about that. Kind of interesting. Uh, plus three uh, For three maps in this game, uh, in this series, plus 240. Lol, Not no. <laughs> Ball oriented 2017. Uh, moving on to the last two games of the night, of uh, the week. H2K versus Vitality. Um... Even with the two a Lost Unicorns of Love, I just think it's a play-style thing. We've talked about it before. H2K is extremely um, bad, I think, at wave control and management and split-pushing, and they don't do very well when they have to make a ton of quick rotations all around the map and have to cover, okay, well, bot tower is about to be destroyed, and they're pressuring Dragon, and there's a wave that's about to hit our top inner tower. Like, when they have all those type of macro decisions to make, they aren't very good at, like, creating a plan and sticking with it. They kind of get razzled. Uh, still lost to Unicorns of Love. They're still in the playoffs. This probably means they'll be up against um, the, the three seed yeah, out of... they'll
1: play Fnatic, and it's yeah. as good as a first-round buy as they're going to get. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, Forbidden's poor positioning was a huge problem in Game 2. His ults were really bad. Um, they opened up the door for a Unicorns of Love comeback that never should have happened. But let's not panic here. H2K has a 66.2 early game rating. That is the highest in the league, uh, even higher than Misfits, and Misfits was already higher than than most teams uh, across the world. Both of them are higher than, for example, uh, KT Rolster, who has the highest early game rating in Korea. So just think about the gap between H2K and Misfits and the rest of Europe when it comes to how they handle it. And the biggest reason for that... Uh, Yankos, 104 kills coming out of the jungle. The next closest is Trick at 81. That's absurd. Uh, they are first uh, first tower percentage and first three tower percentages are the highest in the league, 84% you, 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 and 78% even, respectively. Go well, back to the kills thing. You aren't even talking about the most impressive thing, which is Yankos'
0: third period yeah. of all players with 104 kills. Yeah,
1: you're not wrong.
0: <laughs> That's a, it's a thing. He's sitting in between, like... Six mid laners. Like, like, that's the more impressive thing. It's not just that he's ahead of all the junglers; it's that he's also top
1: three in terms of everyone. Well, it's it's not it's that he's so far ahead of the junglers. It's that there isn't a jungler who is close. And I understand his first blood rate hasn't been as high as it has been in recent years. He's not the first blood king anymore. Surprisingly, that's Joko. So you know, I'm not sure maybe first blood king is all that relevant anymore. But I'll take. Uh, kill crazy, uh, enabling teammates to rotate and take towers more efficiently than anyone else in the league. Um, Biggest problem is going to be team fight coordination. Nuclear and Che for a while were carrying them in those fights because teams didn't have a great way to deal with uh, those engages. But now teams, you know, the meta's changing a bit. Nuclear and Che aren't necessarily, you know, as Dominant as they were at the beginning of the season, it seems like now it's much more focused on H2K solo lanes. Oduamne looks better, Uh you know, struggle a little bit against Visitchachi, but almost everyone will. Visitchachi's at this point my pick for all pro first team top laner, so I don't hold that against him necessarily. If if they can have both of their solo laners on point at the same time. This is a team that will be a title contender. The problem is that we just haven't seen that very often. It seems like either Omne or Fabiven is doing well in any particular game, not both. So I'll be very interested to see if they can, can snowball uh, both of those lanes and kind of have a more balanced approach. Uh, against Vitality is a great time to try some things out and see how it works, because that's not going to be a particularly close series. A phrase that we've said far too often on this podcast, I have H2K-800.
0: Yep, uh, the beating just continues. This is payback for me crushing you in NA last week. I, I said H two K minus seven fifty. It's H two K minus nine oh nine. That puts Vitality at plus five hundred. Yep. Okay. Uh, three maps is plus one seventy five. Okay. I'm not. I'm not feeling good about that one either.
1: It's, it's hard to see, but at the same time. We're running out of options, so we might have to come back to that one. So,
0: Fnatic versus Giants. Yes. Last game of the week, this is incredibly important for rockad if they want to make the playoffs. Because if they lose to Misfits, they need Fnatic to also lose some other games here and there. Fnatic, obviously, um, disheveled by potential yes. roster changes, but let's not forget the wise man... Of Soaz once said, "Coaches are useless." <laughs> Let's not forget that that once was a Twitter battle where Soaz <sighs> to think that coaches were worth anything. So
1: those were the Fnatic, days.
0: Fnatic doesn't really have a coach, so there you go. Soaz, it, it's time for you to shine, which is something you haven't done at all uh, through the course of the split. So Chase, in order to keep Rocket's hopes and dreams alive, what do Giants need to do to beat Fnatic?
1: Uh, can they sign a roster of five different players before the week starts? Because that would help. Uh, unfortunately, I think the roster lock is in. I mean, this Giants team is terrible. That's kind of rude, I
0: think. That's kind of rude.
1: There's like, a couple players on here that you, you've, uh, look, you've spoken uh, nicely okay. about. I will say we have two players that absolutely deserve credit there. And these two players, that was an unfair joke. Memento and Knight. Knight, now that he's back in an Assassin meta, looks really good. 13-5-9 last week. He can still be that roaming Assassin player that tries to snowball things for his team. Uh, You know, he could still be that guy. We've seen that now. Didn't work in the previous meta, but in 7.4 and beyond, he's looking significantly better. Memento is someone who, if this team was, you know, particularly good, uh, they, you know, he might be in a conversation for, you know, some of these all-pro jungle positions. His numbers are surprisingly solid. You're looking at, you know... a a very high kill participation from him right now, a highest among all junglers at 74.1%. His first blood rate is 52%, which is the second highest in the league. Uh, He's got, you know, gold advantages. He's got, uh, he's actually doing more damage per minute than any junglers other than Yankos and Trick, which is pretty impressive. So certainly those two players are doing decent things. The problem is that this team as a whole has no idea what to do with these micro advantages. They don't turn kills into objectives. In fact, they're probably the worst objective team in the league other than origin. The numbers just show a team that has no idea how to claim things like dragon or baron or, you know, their lane efficiency is really subpar 48.8%. That is the uh, second lowest in the league. Only origin is worse. Uh, it's a problem. This is a team that does not coordinate at all. They do not roam for lanes. They do not take down towers. They do not make cross-map plays. You have two guys who have great solo efforts that are trying to carry this team, and the weight is just far too heavy. Hikyu uh, is not necessarily an LCS-caliber AD carry. He's really struggling, and I already said Flaxish is pro- possibly the worst top laner. In the entire EU LCS, you know, sorry for guys that were excited about him, Walter. I know you were very high on all these EU top lane rookies, and wh- I said at the beginning I thought Alfari was going to be the best, and I thought the rest were going to be bad, and I'm a hundred percent right. I feel vindicated on that front. Um, this this Flaxish is really really bad. So I I mean. I No, they don't need five new players per se, but at the very least, they need players who can actually communicate together, make cohesive plays, make cross-map plays, actually take down towers and objectives, and that's not happening with this roster as it is currently built. They're terrible at basically everything you would want from an objective perspective, and... Fanatic in this place where if you were ever going to get away with, you know, not having a real F- coach F- this F- week, this is the time you'd want to do it, right? This is the time in which you have a, the opportunity to, to make some mistakes and your pick and band doesn't have to be all that sharp. Not that it was all that sharp in Nico the Pico anyway, but still, you know, you can get away with some things here. I, I think that as much as they've struggled in recent, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I think Roxa looked okay last week. I didn't think he looked great, but I think he's starting to figure out some things here and there, still making some very clear rookie mistakes. I think they moved him up too quickly, but, you know, it's too late to fix that now. You certainly can't move him back without killing his confidence, and so now you've just got to make the most of it, and it seems like they're starting to. Um, so as is a problem. I, I think Caps is, is not necessarily working out the way that they would hope they're certainly not playing around them the way that you'd like they need a win here and i think they're gonna get it and i don't know if that's gonna be enough to keep guys like reckless on board but that's that's just what they're gonna have to do if you can't if you can't beat giants convincingly it's gonna be a problem
0: it's definitely not enough to keep reckless on board there's almost no way that reckless is on fanatic next split with this roster that it would need to have a drastic roster change. And in between spring and summer, it's very difficult to actually build a, a, a consistent, stable roster.
1: It's and the difficult. problem is that Reckless isn't a guy that's worth building a team around on his own. No offense to Reckless. He's a good player. He's, if he's your number two guy, you're going to be doing pretty well. If he's your number three guy, you're probably one of the best teams in the region. Yes. But as a number one guy, I don't know how far you get with that. Certainly we learned from Alliance that having him as a number one guy is not something that has historically worked out all that well. So, uh, unfortunately, I don't think Fnatic can even do well if they made him that godfather offer of, please stay and you can kind of form the team (laughs) in your image. I don't think that's going to be the plan that will lead to Fnatic's success either. So, they're in a weird spot. I I think they're still in a a much better spot than Giants. So, you know, I I still have Fnatic winning this series. I have it as minus 280.
0: Well... I had fanatic minus three hundred. You're gonna get this one. It it you you just absolutely crushed me this week. It's not even that. It's not even close. Uh, Giants are at plus one sixty five. Remaps is at plus one hundred five. And Chase, this puts Wait, us put. Wait, what was very,
1: fanatic? I heard uh, minus.
0: Giant- oh, sorry, minus two twenty two for fanatic. Okay, Fnatic. minus two twenty two. So this puts us in a really weird spot where um, Chase, the gambler in me,
1: is saying, stay away
0: from this week. There is right. there is no.
1: No value. What are the odds There's if Fnatic gets a 2-0 over Giants? Plus 145. Okay. That, I don't
0: feel confident in that at all.
1: When was the last time uh, Giants won a map?
0: Giants It's won been
1: several... I mean, y- they beat Vitality.
0: Uh, they had a, a one-map win against Vitality, and they beat Origin last week. They won three maps last week.
1: Well, uh, two weeks ago, you mean.
0: Uh, yeah, week seven.
1: Sorry, two yeah. weeks ago. Um Yeah, I guess. I mean when you get 2 0'd by Rocket, like And they
0: lost the game the first time they met Giants.
1: Yes. So
0: I that don't was not 2 at all.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think there might be at least more value on that than some of these other bets. I mean we we have to come up with two. That's the rules we set out for this podcast. I, there's no value here. There's none. Zip. I understand that. Nada. I Zip. But so. we, look, Walter, is this the we make responsible bets and, and choose not to to make any decisions We call this them week? smart money. Well, there is no smart money yes, here. Yes, but the people, look, you know, we got to give the people what they want. People want gambling advice. And while we're scared off by this week. My gambling some... advice is don't gamble on this week. That is my expert level advice is there's no value here. The only one that
0: I feel even remotely comfortable with is is. Three maps for Giants and Fnatic. That's the only one I feel remotely comfortable
1: with. What's three maps for Giants and Fnatic? Plus
0: five. And it's very little value. That's the only map I that's the only thing I feel comfortable with. The crazy
1: gambler in me is almost saying, Fnatic has no coach. Ro- Rocket could take a map, right? I could They just have to weather the storm once. They just okay, have to do it let's, once. Let's do those two. Three maps for Rockat
0: versus Misfits, that is at plus 130, and three maps for Giants versus Fnatic, that's plus 105. Okay. And I, Chase is forcing me to pick two. I don't feel like any of these things are going to happen.
1: Let me be clear. This is a terrible week of games. We could have six 2-0s and it wouldn't make me blink, you know, blink an eye. I, I swear there's no value here. Um, If you're not running an esports gambling podcast sponsored by thelovelyunicorn.com, you shouldn't bet on this week. It's a terrible idea. Don't do it. Save up for NA and have, you know, make five NA bets. This is going to be an exciting week in the North American LCS. There's so many fun storylines on the line. You're going to have so much more fun watching those games and following those bets and seeing how those turn out. Do yourself a favor and just do it. Just trust me on this. You don't want to gamble on Europe. We're insane for doing it, but you know this is what we get for running a podcast. So here we are.
0: I tried to tell you to stay away. Chase said I couldn't. So yeah. Well, look, I blame everything on Chase. We're next still week, telling you we, to stay
1: away. To next week,
0: when we miss, bo- miss both bets, it's going to be all on Chase. Sure.
1: So. Uh, with
0: that, Chase, you uh, you take the lead in our in our little competition. Yes. You're up wow. nine to
1: eight. Yes. After that, that uh, I, I would say that was a mugging. Um, look, Hats on a four-game winning streak. I, I take a 6-1 victory here. Things are coming up, Millhouse. that's all. I'm, I'm going to roll with it while I can.
0: Yeah, but but you know what? You guys come back tomorrow. Yes. For the North American LCS podcast. You can find that at Rough Dress Podcast on the Twitters. You can find it on Esports Rough Dress on the SoundCloud. It'll all go up there. You can follow me at c
1: underscore LOL, Chase. Uh, first of all, just to clarify, that's at Rough Drafts Pod, not Podcast, oh, yeah. if you at want the Twitter. You can find me at RedshirtKing. I'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, there should be, by the time you're listening to this, my uh, LCS Power Rankings over at LCS Predict should be up. And by the way, I wrote for unicorn.com last week. Nice to be back doing things with those guys. I've got another article coming out this week, but last week I wrote a piece on the road to the NALCS playoffs. A lot of what I said back then are still valid now, so definitely give that a look. We'll put it in the video description, uh, probably on the NA Pod since it'll be more relevant there, but you can find it at unicorn.com. A lot of great articles over there. Definitely check it out. Uh, it was fu- It's fun to get back to, to writing more frequently. So uh, absolutely, uh, you know, let's, let's see if we can keep the momentum going on our NA pod, Walter. But you know what?
0: None of what you said matters because DSM is number one. Until tomorrow, goodbye, Internet. Hey there, C-80s here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash rough pod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming, or join our VIP club, where a dollar a show or eight bucks a month gets you first priority on all patron content like our patron-only QA's. And check us out on all of our social media: Twitter at RoughGrass Pod facebook.com backslash roughdraftspod, soundcloud.com backslash esports roughdrafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.